Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, Christopher Butcher, Chip Zdarsky, and myself, David Brothers. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. And we have a very special episode of Manga Explaining, even more special than all the others we've done that have been really special. Because Christopher and Chip are in Canada, I'm in Oakland, California, and Deb is in Hawaii, along with a couple of birds, I think. One or two. <laughs> yeah, I think they're, I don't know, they're parakeets. My, my mom, my brother's parakeets. <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully they like manga because they're about to get an earful. Couldn't you have just pretended that you were outside? No. <laughs> in like, I wish in, I the, could. In, the, in the tropics? <laughs> in the tropics. <laughs> well, I'm just glad the chickens aren't acting up right now. Yeah. But we're recording this before the holiday season, and we chose a very festive book, <laughs> Go Nagai's Devil Man, the Classic Collection, Volume 1. <laughs> <laughs> which is a very <laughs> there's no way i could do this straight faced it's a story of a kid who becomes part demon to fight other demons along with his apparently murderous best friend who he trusts implicitly best friend <laughs> we don't know why yeah best friend. <laughs> yeah yeah there is a drawing of them naked in an embrace two or three mm-hmm. four times <laughs> yes but it's from 1972 it ran in weekly shonen magazine for Five volumes, roughly a year, and it sold 50 million copies worldwide. <laughs> it's another thing like Gundam where it spawned like a little, not a full-on culture around it, but like there's like a good little core of creeps that love this stuff. <laughs> there's other movies, there's other manga, novels, films. There's a, a truly bad live-action version of this on Tubi right now if you have that app. Live action? Yes. How do they do that? Not very well. With really bad CGI? Yeah, I think it's from like 2006 or something. It's... Oh. <laughs> Sorry, David, you would get this reference. Mm. Is it as good as the original live action Guyver movies, or is it better or worse? It's way worse. Oh, okay. Well, Guyver was fun. Seek it out then. Guyver's my line. Yeah, no. <laughs> Guyver at least had like good <laughs> costume design. But... It really did. Part of the reason why this blew up is that Go Nagai is one of those guys who somehow managed to create like a bunch of different iconic things in Japan. There's this, which is very like edgy horror. There's Mazinger Z, which is one of the, he's the one who created the super robots, which are kind of the predecessor to the real robots from Gundam. And he was also the guy who was like, oh, someone should ride in the robot. So let's give this robot a cockpit. So Mm. like, he's just trailblazing all over the place. He invented Cutie Honey, which is sort of a teen girl action hero, sexy and action packed sort of a thing, but popular with a bunch of different kids and various 45 year old men. But devil <laughs> is why we're here. <laughs> devil man is one of those where I heard about it a lot as a kid and it was almost mythic, you know, like mm. you couldn't see it. So it just took on all these strange proportions where it was much edgier than you could have imagined. There's all kinds of nudity and sex and violence. And if your mom caught you with it, you'd be in so much trouble. So luckily, you know, I'm in my thirties now and it's in a nice hardcover. And I can make my three friends on Manga Explaining read it along with me. Because <laughs> this is actually my first time through the series. I've seen Devilman Crybaby on Netflix, which is kind of the gold standard adaptation uh, of this work. And also probably of manga to animation more generally. But this is like the raw, uncut, original material meant for mostly teenage boys in the 70s with all that entails. <laughs> so... <laughs> We'll get to how I feel about it. I want to start with Deb. <laughs> <laughs> Deb, how did Devil Man strike you? Oh my God. Yes. 
I knew what I was. I knew what I was in for. Yeah, Devilman has been for a long time one of those classic manga series that was has been like the the white whale, like something that for some reason or another it just escaped being licensed, despite being kind of legendary, right? Yeah, and legendary for its violence, legendary for its over the top craziness. So, but this is the first time you're able to read. I mean, there was a a couple of issues published, I think, in 1995 by Glenn Danzig. Erotic. Of the, of the Misfits. <laughs> he had his own gothic action comics. And then so he, he licensed a couple Devilman stories and colored them very, very badly. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so that was, for years, that was all we saw of Devilman. So to now get the whole series and get to see it is kind of like, wow. Okay, now I get it. Yeah. <laughs> this is This is nuts <laughs> it's like it's like it's kind of like going in, in this parallel universe where like what if america never had the comics code authority <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah yeah <laughs> like it's and it's so one is just just falls to the wall crazy like he's just making this shit up as he goes along mm-hmm. this is like fan service on a platter mm. like, <laughs> boobs blood this this member man it's 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 crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we have it in English, but it is something else. Did you enjoy reading it? I found it uncomfortable to read. <laughs> Not because of the violence, mm-hmm. but because it just was kind of disjointed. Mm-hmm. Like it was yeah. hard to follow the story. It was hard to follow where he was taking it. Mm-hmm. it. It felt like he was making things up as he was going along, which he, as we hear it, he was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no secret there but you know it's, it, you wanna you know he's basically like a hero right he has an origin mm-hmm. he goes from being this sweet timid guy into like this guy who's got this bad boy side right but the characters are kind of all over the place maki the his so-called love interest is kind of unlikable <laughs> 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 i mean and and then she, but those I mean, I guess boobs. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess I appreciate it on the level like what Devilman created as a foundation. Many, many, many flowers sprouted from this yeah. fertile pile of something. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking you don't get Parasite without Devilman in a lot of ways. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of really like body horror. There is like the demons. There is the historical stuff. It's, it's, it's just. I wish there was some kind of essay here to give it context, <laughs> because you're just kind of like you know with the Motohagyo book, right? You were given context yeah. for her work. You were given context for her career. With this, it's like, hello, open the page, wham, boobs, <laughs> splattering blood, dismemberment, and then you're at the end going like, what just happened? I feel like any essay that did that would be such an amazing act of BS. Like, <laughs> guessing it a whole criticism, it would become art unto itself. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's just trash cinema. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw Christopher realize something while you were talking, so now I want to get his take. Oh. So, just for the readers at home, the listeners at home, when David said, without this, there wouldn't have been a parasite, maybe... He didn't mean the Korean film that won oh. the Academy Award, which is where I immediately went. And I was like, 
<laughs> I was trying to piece that together too. You want to talk about really? an insane act of wow. critical BS? I think that would have that would have been like, you know, David, connect those two. Actually, I would love to hear that. I would love to hear you do that. Oh, uh, man. he means the manga series Parasite, which is currently in print. I think in omnibus volumes from Kodansha. So yeah, yeah that was that was my my grand realization. I was like. <laughs> he means the Mongo, thank God. I am actually crying now. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a funny idea. <laughs> you just gave a very specific impression of this manga that it does not live up to for fans of Whoever Korea. turned off the podcast after like seven minutes and 30 seconds is screwed <laughs> when they go pick this up. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this is the work of... Oh, how do I, how carefully do I choose my words here? This is uh, as if unrestrained id wrote a comic. It is literally just like, there's, there's no, there's, there's, there's nothing. There's like no thoughts here. There's like a bunch of, dude had a sketchbook of cool drawings and was like, all right, go. And started drawing <laughs> from like page one, panel one with no, like it, no four, right up and until, and including the sequence in the middle of the chase scene at the beginning where it's like, Oh, we've entered this metal tunnel. Oh no, we've hit a dead end. And the next panel is literally like, Oh, just kidding. Here's a trap door. And you're just like, he just didn't know how to, where to go from where he hit a dead end. He just invented a trap door. Didn't go back and erase that page. Cause that panel was drawn. This is no Tezuka. This is no, I drew three pages and they don't work and I'm throwing them away. This is make it work on the page and keep going. <laughs> yeah. And that is just the whole thing. That is just the whole thing. Make it work on the page and keep going. My opinion of this book is the from page 54 to page 125, it is one sustained conversation. Oh. <laughs> one <laughs> run-on conversation between two characters that like mm. culminates in the introduction of devil man and like stuff's happening while they're having one sustained breakneck conversation and this is not a light conversation it's about the end of the world and demons and gods and like <laughs> the nature of mankind and everything is shit but it still needs to be saved and we're going to become demons but first we're going to kill some hippies like it just keeps going and going and going and you're like this is there's no structure there's this is not a structured narrative (laughs) (laughs) and is this the original web comic is that what you're saying yeah this is the original web comic this is (laughs) here's an installment here's an installment (laughs) there's no there's no planning oh shit this is literally due in an hour i gotta i gotta knock eight pages out like let's see where we end up this week (laughs) and let's just do a full page drawing of devil man looking pissed off yeah because that makes one page down a good drawing too i'm convinced (laughs) those were chapter breaks by the way every time that happens in that style i want to talk about Mm. i want to talk about this object that has been published separate from the yeah. contents of this object. I don't like this, but I am glad it exists. I yeah. laughed out loud. I cringed. I actually said, what the fuck more than one time. <laughs> like, Oh my God, <laughs> like genuine shock at a thing that happened in a, in a comic book is, is like very rare. But when spoilers, the turtle demon has the little girl's face on his back and devil man has to punch directly through her screaming face to like hit the inside of the turtle man and kill him. 
before then ripping the shell off of the turtle man. I was just like, what is going on? Like, this is crazy. And then you're thinking, this, where, where do you even go from here? And the answer is literally Hitler. The answer is literally <laughs> Hitler. It, it, but you're oh. underselling the turtle thing because he closes the girl's eyes after he punches like through the turtle shell. He's got three <laughs> fingers, like three giant. That's the man fingers. part of Devil Man. Yeah, through the face <laughs> of the girl and like collapsed her face and into the like and has like killed the turtle man and then uses the last remaining finger that is not inside the turtle man to gently close her eye because she's extra dead now. She was already dead. <laughs> that she, she kept screaming, I'm already dead, kill me, I'm already dead, kill like over and over. Like, I can't. <sighs> this is the most itself thing we've read. Full on, like full on. Yeah. You you could write like pages of like of critical bullshit about it. You could write like essays into why every vagina has like scary teeth mouth on every demon lady and like <laughs> what we're trying to say about going to, and the even the boobs like bite back like it is there's so much on the page that even i don't know that he knew what he was putting down like it this is like mm, this is like the comic that tells on itself first off like, like we're, sorry, no, I think we're five things in it's an amazing way to put it but you know what's really amazing is he did this at the same time as Mazinger. Oh, yeah. Like, he was creating both things at the same time. Is that time. as disjointed? Um, it's more commercial. Okay. Mm. That makes sense. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of like Kamen Rider, which we're going to read coming up, which was basically, it, it came out the same time as the anime came out. Yeah. So it was like he's writing, <laughs> you know, like, he's writing to keep up with the demands oh. of this series that the animation company wanted to do so that's why there's kind of this i'm just throwing shit out there and see if it sticks okay oh man i love picturing that this guy was also doing more commercial work whereas this was like a passion project <laughs> no nope, this is <was> also <laughs> commercial but for a very yeah. different like i don't know why they would let him get away anyway long story short we'll get to that I've i don't got think i like about that i don't think i like it and i don't I don't think it's good, but I think it is. I respect it a hell of a lot. Actually. I actually really think that like, man, you saw something that you wanted to do and you went for it. And parts of it are executed at an insanely high degree. Like there's some yeah. real time. It's, it's kind of how I feel. Oh, if I'd read this earlier, I would have a very different opinion of it, but it's kind of how I feel about Rob Leefield's work. It's like the, the most Rob Leefield manga. I think mm. we've read where it's just like, mm. this dude loves the things he draws, and he can draw incredible, powerful shit. But he has an idea, and he just goes for it on the page. And it doesn't matter if it makes sense in context. It doesn't matter if it makes sense with the previous issue. It doesn't matter where he ends the issue on, because he's just going to go in a different direction in the end. And he may or may not finish it, ever. And it's like, it feels like Lee Field, especially when you get into like just how awesome some of the drawings are. Like the fact that Devilman is drawn exclusively with brush work and like dry brush whereas the rest of the comic is drawn as like traditional illustration with like pens and things like that he's just doing some great stuff so yeah man i really respect this but like and i don't want to read the i don't want to read the next one like i just like it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter what it's about or what happens like because it clearly didn't matter to him at the time and it's just like it's entertainment it's pop it's very pop so that's what i think about this but I have okay. so much to say about it too. <laughs> Chip, 
you're having a good time mm. over there. What did you think about Devil Man? Oh, I'm enjoying the takes. There are some really good drawings in this, and there mm-hmm. are some of the worst drawings in this. Mm. And it kept making me think about, like, sometimes when you look at really old paintings, you're you're like, how could they screw up the human body like this? <laughs> like, it, it seems like you could figure that out, or perspective, or things like that. Yeah. And this kind of feels like that. Like, it's like early stages in, like, a type of manga or like a type of cartooning and they're just figuring things out. Cause like a lot of the human bodies and the perspective stuff is real bad. Like I'm looking at page 168 right now, which is a splash page for some reason of the buddy mm-hmm. Ryo just pointing at us oh, yeah. and it is so poorly drawn. <laughs> it's stunning. But then there's some, especially later on, there's some really beautiful devil man stuff like you were saying. And once he gets into time travel, there's a lot more focus there, weirdly enough. For folks keeping ho- t- track at home, <laughs> once he gets into time travel is something you can also <laughs> say about this book. And that's why Hitler's in it. But go on. Roughly 450 pages in, they <laughs> add time travel. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the whole thing's absolutely nonsensical. I do like that it opened basically with the Charles Atlas origin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but instead of, you know, signing up for Charles Atlas, he becomes a devil man. Yeah. There's something super funny about the change of his expression after that yeah. point. Because he grows uh, eyebrows and they're so intense. They're so intense, he uses the eyebrows to fight things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I almost died seeing that. Like, okay, like I get, like, you don't want to keep reading this. But there is a part of me that kind of wants to keep reading to see what else could possibly happen. Mm. Because it is so bonkers. I will say the buddy Ryo was very distracting because he looks just like a John Allison drawing. Oh, he does actually. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like someone just dropped a John Allison character into the middle of this manga. That is so good. There are, there are parts I really, really enjoyed. Like even that, that Charles Atlas beginning, the bullies were just like so fun. Like that was just like fun oh, cartooning yeah. of these outlandish characters. The, the hippie sequence was, it made me laugh. The fact that, <laughs> uh, you know, this is, these are, this is the terrors that we're going to see behind this door and this bunch of hippies. Yeah. And then their massacre is also extremely funny. <laughs> like there's a lot of really funny stuff, some intentional, some not intentional, but I will say this book has maybe my favorite page from anything that we've covered. And it is the final page of the Hitler story. Because <laughs> <laughs> first of all, we know the whole time that it's Hitler. It's crazy that he thinks that we don't know that. It was so obvious that I thought maybe like it's not Hitler. Like, yeah, no, it was Hitler. But it's just like that whole page of just like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Where all of a sudden, for some reason, all, all of this happening is what made Hitler Hitler. And then he's walking away, and the guy's like, what the hell? Adolf! And then it gives us a very detailed drawing of Adolf Hitler as we know him. And then they add a panel that says, where are you going? Adolf! Adolf Hitler! (laughs) That's the end. That's the end. It's such a... It's it's one of the most bonkers things I've ever seen in comics. And it is maybe my favorite thing that's happened on this podcast. But it's funny, like the, the Joan of Arc chapter is beautiful. Hmm. Like that 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 chapter is actually like really elegantly drawn and, and thought out and and not gross. 
really. <laughs> True. <laughs> like the, the way the way everything else is, it's almost like it's almost like he was like, you know what? I'm going to slow down for this one. And this is going to be a, a like a, my romance story. Like mm. it, it feels very out of place, but it, it's it's actually quite lovely. A shout out to the color, which is horrible. <laughs> uh, I'll really? always do that. I thought it was very traditional, like basic colors. Like the opening, the Great War of Legends sequence, I thought was muddy, but had interesting color choices. Like they're, the they're interesting. Yellows. They are interesting. <laughs> no, I loved that. I love the color in this. I think you're wrong, dude. I think Oof. like this is. Well, it's, it's not just the color. It's the rendering style of it, too. Like, I just can't handle this airbrush, wishy-washy. It, you know what this reminds me of? You remember back, maybe maybe I'm too old, but remember back in the day when if you had a hot van, you had someone airbrush some art <laughs> on it? Yeah. And then it, that would be your, like, makeup machine? Yeah, this is the height of that art. It's so good. Right. Like, it looks like heavy metal album covers. That's right. That's right. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> There's so a lot appropriate. Of, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of work put into it. I just don't think the end result is worthy of the amount of work put into it. But uh, I will always feel that way. I think I agree with all three of you in different ways <laughs> where like, I'm really <laughs> impressed by this book, but I don't think I'll read volume two. Yeah. Oh, but you should. It <laughs> no, jumps because... the shark so hard right before the Hitler story. Yeah, but... <laughs> before the Hitler story. <laughs> where but does the it end... jump the shark? Sorry. As soon as time travel starts. <laughs> That's when you think it jumps the shark. <laughs> like the Joan of Arc thing. Wait, oh, Deb, what, what were you going to say? Then I'll give my take. Right. <laughs> no, I was going to say like, it, oh, okay, since you guys have no intention of getting volume two, I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> it is It is so obvious how Ryo has, has the hots for Akira. And all this entire story is, is about Ryo wanting Akira. All right. Really? Yeah. At the end, there's a part where he's like, oh, I was actually female but i'm kind of like like you know like i really love you and stuff like that so it's like okay so you basically went on this convoluted journey to destroy the world <laughs> because you were a guy who was a girl who was in love with him and maybe you could have just gone out for coffee or drinks that'd be a very short manga yeah <laughs> <laughs> There's so much there now that it's just like, oh my god, that's like another paper you could write about this insanity. I mean, there's it's it, it has the classic boys love stuff, right? There's mm-hmm. the dark haired boy and the light haired boy. They're embracing constantly. There's I call I call them the the you know the salt and pepper shaker formula of boys yeah. love. Yeah. <laughs> because you got to tell which guys on top and which guys on bottom. Mm. And the, and uh, you know David pointed out earlier, but like. There, there's one really beautiful shot of them nude falling together. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And it, the, that that level of embrace, I was just like, oh, okay, all right, I, I get it now. It's like, oh, finally, some subtext, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because Maki ain't got a chance. No, no. <laughs> like it's so seat of your pants that I feel like the story ran out as soon as the turtle guy was done with. Mm. Like for all the. Like the pacing and I mean, it's clearly like aimed at young boys. There's going to be certain things I'm just not going to jive with because I'm, you know, too old for it. But once they got past the turtle, it was like, okay, now what? It's like time travel and like greatest hits, like Rose of Versailles type stuff, Mm. Joan of Arc. Like it's such a playing to the crowd type of moment, I feel. And it happened so abruptly. Yeah. Because it's like the turtle. And then the next thing you got is this color thing where, oh, we're going to travel through time. It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> is it really playing to the crowd? Because I feel like 
he would lose most of his audience by doing this. Like what's weird like is the, like Japan, the young loves boy Marie who Antoinette. wants. Okay, all right. So it's, it's like, like a, a rock star. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. I have a Lupin the Third movie. Yeah, or it's a stage play where for some reason he gets zapped back to Marie Antoinette times, and it's like amazing. It's Sakurazuka, actually. It's really awesome. And are they also big big fans of Adolf Hitler? <laughs> I don't think so, but that's like shocking enough to where you're like, oh, this is going places. Like this is another kind of edgy. It's interesting because it feels more like like he wanted some sort of structure mm-hmm. for like for like individual stories, and the time travel is just like okay, that's that's how we'll do it. Because if I was like, I mean, if I was a young boy reading this, I wanted boobs and I wanted yeah. demon violence. <laughs> that's all I cared about. And then all of a sudden, I'm with Joan of Arc, and I'm like, "What?" Yeah, those those chapters spoke more to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that that attempt to give it some historical content so it seemed more virtuous? I think Maybe, so. Maybe yeah. Because a few pages before it just falls right off the cliff for me is when they're like, "This is all a metaphor for nuclear war." All of a sudden, which I can t- I can see looking back, but it isn't really supported very well in the text. Hmm. It's almost like he hit a point where his editor was like, "Okay." We did all the stuff you said you wanted to do. Now you've got to give us the story. Yeah. Oh, was that the, the nuclear war thing? Was that, that weird smug uh, dude in class? Yeah. Was it the yeah. teacher? Yeah. Yeah. That guy, the cartooning <laughs> of that guy was amazing. So much of the cartooning is so good. Like the, the goons you mentioned, the, the yeah. bullies, like those guys are straight out of like central casting. Like you see those guys in multiple, like different types of manga. I think they're all like homaging the same you know, like real life type or the same type from some movie. It's so weird. If you, if you look at pages 448 through to 451 with that guy who feels like he's the teacher, mm-hmm. his face changes almost completely in every panel he's in <laughs> to like a different, there is no consistency to how that guy's done. Look at the top of 450 and the bottom of 450. Like yeah. what happened to his chin? His nose changes place. <laughs> his nose changes. It's like, <laughs> it's such a fun like style of character. Yeah. It reminds me of the cartooning of who was the guy that did the, the cartoons for was it suck.com back when that was a thing? Oh, I don't know. Oh man. Oh, I'll, I'll have to look it up for the show notes or something. Yeah. But it's, it's, it feels like a, a distinct cartooning style on its own, similar to the bullies at the beginning of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many characters that pop up just again, just like that John Allison drawing. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's not a consistency, but he's trying something really interesting with each character. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they didn't understand at that point in time to have consistency between characters too. Like they, so they all feel like they're part of the same world. He's just like, no, all right, no. this character looks like this. Like what? The approach to monster design is like that as well. It reminds me of the Eternals, Jack Kirby's Eternals, <laughs> more than anything. Yeah, where he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, all the deviants look different. We're just going to design, you know, a thousand monsters every issue. And in this, they're all combinations of things, you know, like tree and boobs or her ears or <laughs> wings. And then also her boobs have teeth. <laughs> it's really consistent when it comes like, is it body horror? Yes. Yeah. Cause, cause women will eat you up. Chip <laughs> did that with Captara, by the way, which I thought was really funny. He's like, Kagan, I need you to draw 75 different new He-Man villains on the last double page spread of this issue. And he broke Kagan for three years. And now we're getting Captara too. now that he's back. <laughs> That's not what broke him. There was plenty of other stuff to break him. <laughs> but I want to read one bit from Wikipedia about Devilman that I think explains a lot about it. 
says the series was originally ordered by Toei Animation as a toned down anime version of Nagai's previous series, Demon Lord Dante. However, Nagai wrote a darker toned manga in order to alert readers to the dangers of the wars based on how dark the narrative becomes with each of Akira's challenges. Hmm. So it's almost like (laughs) this was commissioned to be lighter than his previous work. Yeah. And it went in the complete opposite direction. And there's something I love about that. I think that's partly why it's so messy is that there's like a push and pull between like the editor trying to keep it on the track and the guy just kind of doing his thing. But like the monster design is so cool to me, like Cyrene and the turtle guy whose name I have always forgotten ever since I was a kid. They're two of my favorite designs, like for monsters, period. I think the faces in the shell are really evocative. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're really cool. Uh, I was going to say that those faces in the shell, mm-hmm. didn't we say that in Dondadon with the crab? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. why I decided to choose Devil Man. I was like, oh, yeah, right. Is that a reference to something, do you think? Is it like a folklore thing? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It's, I mean, it sounds, I feel like I've seen this, this type of thing mm-hmm. before in Japanese horror. I just don't know where it originated. Gotcha. It's really creepy. And this is another sequence, I think, that was one of my favorites in terms of storytelling. Because it's another, like, I don't know, 15-page conversation, mostly on black backgrounds. (laughs) But the floating heads and kind of the context of it make it really effectively creepy, you know? Mm. Like, you couldn't do this all the time. It's sort of like John Byrne drawing, you know, like a snowstorm in Alpha Flight or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you can do it once. But it really works here in a way that I think the conversation that Chris mentioned between Rio and Akira doesn't, because it's just a hundred pages of screen tone backgrounds and talking. <laughs> yeah. But there's something incredible about the fact that like it takes two hundred pages for Devilman to show up. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of Stan Lee thing happening here, where he's explaining but not showing. Mm. You know, like. Like he he probably could have explained the premise behind the book, but he basically spent the first fifteen pages of just impressionistic demons <laughs> ripping apart other demons with no words. And then so because he spent all that time with demons flying through the air and like merging with each other and not explaining what it is, that when you finally get to Akira and Ryo talking, it is just nonstop explaining. <laughs> like in a way it's just kind of like this is what you just saw and I'll, I'll tell you it did not take Stanley 200 pages to have Spider-Man show up <laughs> <laughs> say what you will about Stanley. Christopher what was your favorite part of the book <laughs> like what what did you enjoy the most as you were going through this is not whether it was like a this is a bad answer this is a bad answer yeah it's such a me answer unfortunately but oh, no, I'm ready for it <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to pick it apart I was trying to pick I was trying to figure out what this book was because this is not I could tell right away this is not how Devil Man was introduced or published in Japan at least especially initially. So this book starts off with a color sequence that sh- sort of shows like the time of demons and then like angels coming down and it's like it's almost exactly like the sequence where Kenny goes to both heaven and then hell in South Park bigger longer and uncut <laughs> like like you're in a South Park episode for a bit and then all of a sudden it's like a state-of-the-art cg 3d nonsense heaven hell demons fire things exploding all that kind of stuff and then boom you're back to a regular south park episode that's what this starts with is like the cg fully painted heavy metal album cover version of devil man and then it you know goes to 70s you know manga 
And I was like, there's no way. There's no way. And so I actually did something that I, I'm not proud of, but I think it's germane to the conversation. I went and looked at the scans for Devilman, which are online, unfortunately. Do not go look for them. Support your support your local manga. <laughs> and this is a complete that that whole section was not in Devilman Volume One. That came much later. It came in like a new edition or oh. something like that. But yeah, Devilman Volume One starts with you know the black and white pages in this volume, and then after, basically after the turtle story, where it goes straight to time travel, those are later stories, as far as I can tell. That might be Shin Devilman or Devilman Two or Devilman Neo or like a spinoff or something that was retroactively inserted at that point mm. because. I think what happens mm. is he realized he wrote himself into a corner and kind of got to the end game. Like the demons are like, they cut off that kid's head. They're taking over human bodies and people can't tell the difference. There's turtle monsters and they're abducting whole trains <laughs> of people. Like things really ramp up there. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we're slipping through time for a while. And it's like, they maybe had to put the brakes on and insert these other stories to kind of pad out like what was going to be the end of the series. Cause that's, you know, it does kind of end at volume five in Japan. And we got to about volume halfway through volume three, a little bit, a little bit longer actually. And then we got all these other weird stories. And so what we're reading is like massive time jumps. And when the creator is doing the work as well, which is why like the Marie Antoinette story is so much better drawn than the other. <laughs> the yeah. Yeah. That makes like sense now way later. Mm. I feel like this is the thing. This is the only thing that makes me want to go, to volume two now is like do they just go back to like the 1972 manga starting with volume two and it's just like black and white and weird again before they like that would like, be hilarious he's done <laughs> so many side stories after the fact as well that like illuminate different parts of the mythology according to wikipedia that are like not in the scanlations like this edition has a whole bunch of stuff that's not in the scans and that is honestly the translation on this is way better i mean shout out to the two translators I think it's yeah this reads really smoothly considering yeah, it's, it reads how much smoothly nonsense. and even a little contemporarily which i could see pissing people off but you know who cares zach davidson and adrian beck this reads really really well and the scans are do not read as well <laughs> be nice this is maybe what would be called in japan like a perfect collection or a perfect edition mm. where mm. all of the devil man stories that go nagai had ever written are sort of reworked and reinserted and shuffled into different places and things like that to create this work. And I think it's fascinating. A B makes for probably a stronger book. Like if this had actually, if it had been, all right, here's the original five volumes in order. And then here's the like 300 pages of bonus material he had did afterwards. And you just read it all like that chronologically when it was released versus chronologically when it happens in the story, I don't think it would be as good. I think that this is probably the best presentation of this material you could hope for, but it is confusing because it's kind of all over the place. Like the first half of the book, sure. It's the first half of devil man with a little thing at the beginning. But after that, like, yeah, it's all over the place and kudos, like it's color two thirds of the way through the book, three quarters <laughs> of the way through the book, like seven C's printed it in color. Good job. Seven C's. Like I am very happy that those color pages made it in. It wasn't just a muddy black and white mess. I feel like I appreciate it more that they tried to tell the cohesive story of devil man and i think if we ever if we get to when when rosa versailles from udon comes back into print deb and i've been wanting to do it forever but it's just been the, it hasn't been in print and that's also based on like i think the most recent collection in japan which does things like reshuffle the stories and puts them in order and for, of when they happened and like takes old side stories that you know we find things out years later and inserts them chronologically that kind of thing 
Yeah. Like the most interesting thing for me was trying to figure out what this book is. And I, like, it might just be, this is the collection of the most recent Japanese edition, but I feel like it's even something extra. And so I really wish going back to what Deb said, there was just some kind of essay or context or something <laughs> just on like a, where, how did this happen? Kind of a way. Like, I don't need a, like, you don't have to explain that Gona guy was making all the vaginas, uh, giant bitey mouths because it was a commentary on the war. Like we know that's BS. Like we know that that's not real. Like, things he's working out in comics. And that's one of the great things about comics is the immediacy. And then the regret years later. Yeah. Straight up. Like I would have liked to have known what this was and it's just, it's nowhere in this. And it's, there is like, but I mean, I, I don't think if this was like published in order, it would make any more sense. I think it would be more of a, like, like we, we, we read, we've read a book like this before. Which one? Like Oshimbo was yeah. also like mm. pieces out of out of order, and you really commented on how weird it was that like all of a sudden people were having kids and then they were or weren't together and whatever, and we had to explain it in the episode, and you were like, "Oh, okay, that's weird. That makes sense now." But it's exactly like that with this, and it's like, yeah, if you're going to do that and put them out of order, write a little note at the beginning saying we're writing out of the order, which is Oshimbo did actually, and I would, and I, but I, I, I get into manga because especially stuff like this, especially classic manga, which is kind of what we're doing right now, because there's been 70 years of manga publishing in Japan and we've gotten like tiny slivers. Like we've gotten like fractions of a percentage of that in English. Right. So if you're going to bring that stuff back, talk about it. Like this isn't, no one's going to pick this up and go, Oh yeah, this is just, just as good as Jujutsu Kaisen. Like, no, this is a weird ass thing. And it's like, that's great. I'm glad that there's a weird ass thing like this in print, but like, just tell people what's going on or at least contextualize it or at least like something, because otherwise it's just like, why does the art suddenly get like literally 15 years of skill better from page to page? (laughs) And then when you start volume two, it's going to go back 15 years again. All these, like all this weird stuff I find really as a reader who likes classic comics, it really put me off in a way and it made me want to dig in and it made me want to find well it made me seek the dark corners of the internet and you know i'm not i'm not blaming anybody for that especially seven seas but like i did not i would have liked to have said this story appeared here originally that's all that's all we needed we needed one page of like sure this book is I like, yeah, pages. It's not like you had to do a murder to yeah. get this information i don't yeah i mean this this it. this this does not. This does not put me off of this at all. And but the, you don't. Does it put you on it? <laughs> Do you hear you like this is the best presentation of this material? I mean, it probably is because I kind of don't want the other stuff. <laughs> like, like I'd rather have those beautiful time travel stories in the back because <laughs> it has my favorite Adolf Hitler page ever. <laughs> than whatever actually happened next, because this isn't Devilman the Complete Collection. You know, it's Devilman the Classic Collection one. And classic collection does not does not indicate that this is the complete thing. Yeah, does for me. So I I feel you. I think we have a difference of opinion there. But like again, I, I think I think I think I think this is maybe the most nerdy I've ever seen you. <laughs> oh, this is this is actually the complete oh, devil band. And I, this book I don't like. I need it to be complete. I do need it to be complete. There's a wiki about this and explaining the different editions. Oh, there is. There's been at least three different editions of Devil Man. There's the original edition, which is what was published in Weekly Shonen in, in five volumes from 1972. Mm. And let's see. And then there are three volume editions published in 1983. And then there is the deluxe edition, which was, or refurbished edition, include colored pages, 
Oh, yeah, it adds published the published in 1997. Then, and then it explains what the different changes was. Adds the Great War of the Gods, the 32-page prelude to Volume 1, divides the story to chapters. Yeah, it goes pretty deep into what the changes are. And then there's the revised edition in 2012. Jeez. The changes are more like touch-ups and stuff like that. But I think what you're seeing is the deluxe edition, which explains exactly what Chris is describing. Things got inserted. Things were not as they were originally serialized. It's interesting. Also, I'd like to say for the record, I am this nerdy every week. I just keep it in the show notes where it belongs. Like I write 2,000 extra words about every manga we read every single week. This is not new. Like we just read a book called Gundam, The Origins Activation One, which was a book that was drawn by the original creator of the anime, but in the, the 2000s based on the stuff from before, but that doesn't relate to the other stuff. Like, yeah, I'm going to make David write the show notes for that one. I don't care uh, about it. <laughs> I am so entertained right now. I forgot to host. Um, <laughs> Deb, did you see Devil Man Cry Baby? I did. Okay. And I, I saw it before I read this. Did you like it? Yes, I liked it a lot. Although I will say that I don't feel the need to watch it again. Oh, okay. That's where we differ. <laughs> It is a journey, yeah, and it is intense and sad. I mean, it's. I think it, like it's really interesting to have watched that, and then you see the bones of the story. Mm-hmm. You see, like, and in Masaki Yuasa's version, he he really does play a, play up some aspects of the story that the original doesn't. You know, Akira's transformation, his relationship with Maki, who is less annoying in the anime. <laughs> mm-hmm more plausibly a love interest yeah. than in the anime. Someone you really feel genuinely sad when her head gets cut <laughs> off and he, she dies. <laughs> Spoilers. That's why you have to pick volume two, man. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, so he basically took the, the bones of the story, but made it fill it out. Like, like there was that part where Sarine combines with another demon mm-hmm. who's actually been in love with her. And so he sacrifices himself so he, she can continue to live gets very short shrift in the manga. It's much more fleshed out in the anime. So they, I think they complement each other. Mm-hmm. Like the hippie, the hippie orgy thing, dance party is now a is now a warehouse rave and it's this fabulous excuse for Masaki Uasa to do like this psychedelic It's like a hallucinogenic orgy. <laughs> yeah, it just gets kind of crazy and impressionistic, kinda of like, you know, those those certain arty movies of the late sixties. Yeah, like a James Bond with the the gels on it and stuff. Yeah, Murder Rave just makes me think of Blade. Yeah, same. It's honestly when I was I was rewatching the first episode today, and I was like, oh, this Devilman originally came out before Blade, and Devilman Crybaby came out after. You can tell by the club scene. Oh wow! (laughs) There you go. But I I was curious what Deb thought of Crybaby because I think that like I loved Crybaby. I've seen it a couple times now. And the main difference between this and that is that Crybaby has characters, and this just kind of has like named entities, you know? Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, you, you care about what happens to them. Mm-hmm. You do feel a little sad that, you know, Akira, who's a, a genuinely good person, mm-hmm. but shy and timid, becomes something else. And whether that was a good change or not is, you know, something, something to feel a little sad about. Yeah. 
you know, there's much more depth and he, he explores the connections and why it's, this is ultimately a tragic story. Mm-hmm. The, you know, like we've been talking, like anxiety makes you not want to watch a narrative. Yeah. yeah. My thing is, I, I don't like downer stories. <laughs> <laughs> they make me sad. <laughs> yeah. It's fair. Which we've done a few of those. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's hard enough, but I yeah. hear you. Crybabies in a similar genre of story as like Pluto. And there's something I'm blanking on where it takes like an old classic and kind of updates it for adults. Yeah. Sort of like actually more extreme than Batman year one. I would say year one is kind of like the, it's this much of a gap, but Pluto to Astro Boy is like this in yeah. terms of complexity. Okay, and yeah. Crybaby to Devil yeah. Man is kind of the same thing where it sort of is the critical examination of Devil Man. Yeah. Here's all the subtext that works. Here's all the subtext that doesn't work. Here are the queer themes actually expressed like as text instead of maybe subtext in one drawing. Yeah. So it's really fascinating to see this kind of old clunky comic that's really entertaining turn into sort of a really edgy, sexy, smarty art animation, you know? <laughs> I mean, there's other Devilman updates too, like Devilman yeah. Grimoire, and then like Seven Seas put them out. So it's fun to read them all together mm-hmm. and see, you know, where the where the writer took the original material and expanded on it or took it in a different direction. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is a very small example of it, right? Mm-hmm. Compared to what... Millions of people have been doing for years to Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I doubt there's a hundred page conversation in in any of those other adaptations. I just have a hunch. (laughs) Yeah, the first three episodes of Devilman Crybaby are just (laughs) Rio and uh, Fudo talking to each other about like like, crazy stuff happens, but it's just like a nonstop conversation for 90 minutes. (laughs) I will say, so final thoughts. My final thought is while I was reading, there were several moments where I was like, you know, we're reading this with Chip in mind. Like, is he going to like this or not? (laughs) And there were several panels where I was like, Chip would like this. And the first was definitely the drugs panel where he's smoking the cigarette. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this guy doesn't know how drugs work. No. Because he just pitches it away (laughs) later. But even though, like, this is kind of a rocky read for me, I did enjoy it. But reading it, for the purposes of friendship, I think, made it even more fun, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is like 100%. another angle I'm trying to appreciate it on. Yeah, Chip, let's get your final thoughts, then Christopher, then Deb. Well, it, it's funny you say that, because like, as I was reading, I was just like, oh, I can't wait to talk to the gang about this <laughs> page, or that page. <laughs> it's, it's that kind of book. Like, yeah, I'll never read it again. I'll never, well, I will read the Hitler story again, but I won't read the uh, subsequent volumes, especially now that I know it's not necessarily in order. <laughs> Way to go, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> now that I know that it's curated for readability, <laughs> I don't want to read it. This author's just making things up. This is crazy. <laughs> But I, but I, I genuinely did enjoy so much of it, both for good and bad reasons. That I got to give it a ten out of ten. <laughs> nice, <laughs> Christopher. How about you? There you go. In this, I think it's funny that reading a manga with literally no subtext decided to pull all of the subtext of the manga reading experience into the episode rather than leaving it in the show notes where it belongs. <laughs> That's pretty good. In that spirit, uh, Verotic's most popular character was Satanica. And the design is just 100% ripped off of Siren or Siren from this book. Like the ears that are bat wings and stuff like that. And like the boobs out, that's a big deal. And then the hooves, but she's only got two hooves. Oh, yeah. So yeah, total ripoff. And then I feel 
in my in my head canon on this since since we're getting real nerdy <laughs> go Nagai's legal team writes a letter <laughs> to glenn danzing and is like so you ripped off one of my character designs and you're selling a comic book of it what's going on like cease and desist and then Danzig's like, look, I will publish Devil Man in English if you just let us get away with this. We are making so much money on nude Satanica variant covers right now. Google it, folks. Is this wow. true? No, this is my head wow. I can't prove it, but the, the timing <laughs> but, matches yeah. up. And also, they started with, it's funny, they started the Devil Man stories. I remember you, you sent me a couple panels of just like how hideously colored it was. And the first couple issues of Devil Man are from the like shin, like the later stories that we've got here, the like time travel mm-hmm. Mm. like falling through time encountering weird people swirly stuff which i think is kind of amazing but yeah that is my that's my headcanon but like yeah he just ripped this character design off so hard and made so much money off of it so <laughs> good for you glenn dancing <laughs> in the 90s and that's my final thought on devil man <laughs> i've read i watched the first episode of crybaby and i was like wow this is bonkers i'm never going back to this again and then three years later here we are on the podcast so yeah it's good it's good stuff and i kind of want to go watch crybaby now actually because i like you ask this stuff a lot the director but crybaby's uh, a real bad time but i enjoyed every second yeah it sounds <laughs> yeah it sounds perfect so yeah thanks for thanks for picking this one this is a left field classic manga pick i oh you know what i actually had one more uh, two more things i wanted to say but as i was getting to yeah. the end really reminded me a lot of drifting classroom and it reminded me uh, a lot of cat-eyed boy drifting classroom and cat-eyed boy are two manga by kazuo umezu who's like like the horror manga guy in japan cat-eyed boy was a shonen horror series about a a, a, a yokai that fights other yokai basically or a fake yokai he's he's on the hat team of the yokai saving humans saving humans from japanese demons but like just as just as weird and creepy as this, but not as over the top violent. And then Drifting Classroom is the book that I was like real close to picking for our classic manga span. I chose Nausicaa instead. We're reading it next time. It also is like, how is this a boys' comic from the seventies? Like, how didn't everyone get like shouted down by PTAs Fired and sued or thrown in jail? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so weird and dark, and kids just keep getting brutalized. <laughs> like, it's like. Yeah, like the kids getting like the kid getting beheaded on that one page, and then you flip just before the turtle story. In this one, I was just like, "Who who was reading this in the seventies? Like this is crazy." <laughs> anyway, long story short, this is in that fine tradition. So if you liked either Cat Eyed Boy's weirdness or Drifting Classroom's weirdness, I think you dig this a lot. I just, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think Drifting Classroom ties everything. It it has a beginning, middle, and end. Yeah. Oh, this just kind of has an endless middle. Yeah. Anyway, sins of the past. I'm just going to let it go. But what a read. <laughs> Thanks, David. Deb, what do you have for us? Take us home. Well, I think one thing we didn't really mention is that the work that Gonagai did before he did Devilman was a like an etchy gag manga <laughs> called, like, what was it? Harenchi, Harenchi Classroom. Harenchi Gakuen, or Shameless School, where, like, the school where people girls rip off their tops and it's just kind of like boobs and gags and you know guys with their like the blood spurting out of their nose it's just (laughs) it's just goofy sex comedy and it was it was one of the early series in shonen jump that when shonen jump launched was like hi we're different than other shonen magazines let us show you how (laughs) and so harenchi gakuen was kind of like this 
was such an over-the-top, just shameless, cr- crazy manga that the PTA in Japan actually protested it. Mm. And it was considered a danger to society. But like all, all of these controversies, like what, it basically sold more books. <laughs> <laughs> so when you got here is, you know, Gonagai, who was also like, he was, he was a formerly an assistant to Shotaro Ishinomori, you know, so you got this guy who was doing these goofy gag manga about school. So that's why you see the, the bullies, right? Mm-hmm. The characterization. And I think I counted 26 pages of Maki in the bath. Yeah, contemplating <laughs> contemplating Akira seeing her naked and then while a demon is menacing her from the mirror, it just went on and on and on. But so I guess I'm saying like from from that background comes Devilman, mm-hmm. which I think is really I wish I wish I understood that period of manga a little bit more because I remember being a kid and my, my uncle had Shane and manga magazines, you know, in Japanese at my grandma's house. And I remember flipping to Tiger Mask, mm. which is a famous wrestling manga. Mind you, I can't read much Japanese at that point. But I remember reading it and I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> this is so nuts. I love manga. This, you know, I mean, that and Candy Candy, which was like, a, you know, stupid, melodramatic story about an orphan. But it's about an orphan just like going the, from house to house getting brutalized by anyone who takes her in. Candy Candy is crazy. Candy Candy is <laughs> as crazy as Devil Man is in a shoujo context, and I wish it was in print. Because oh. everything I've read or seen of it is just like, what? What is happening to it? It's like yeah. Anna Frank Grable's cranked to 11. Like, it's awful. Anyway, <laughs> oh. I didn't mean to interrupt. It's crazy. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying that, that, but this era of manga is just anything goes. Like they were just doing whatever, yeah. And and there wasn't like it seemed like even if the even the PTA protesting them didn't stop them. It felt to me it feels like this is a moment when the manga publishing industry combined with the baby boomers, right? Like this is the baby boom when the children of the baby boom. This is when they are at their peak comic buying period, mm-hmm. right? Whether they're tweens, teens, to college students, they're buying manga by the truckload. And so manga is very successful, and also manga decides to go do the equivalent of taking drugs at a hippie rave, <laughs> which means anything goes. <laughs> <laughs> so th- when I remember I read manga from that period, like I mentioned F, the a Formula One racing mm-hmm. one, which is kind of similar, era, just like the hero tries to stop people from pursuing him by shitting out the back of the window. It would probably but- work. So the shit lands what? on his enemy's windshield. Yeah. Anyway, manga at that period is just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I still don't understand why, but it's, it's, it, it makes me think about, wow, we've really stopped ourselves in America <laughs> from going that far. Yeah. Right. Like we've, 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 we've created these fences and borders and in which comic book entertainment cannot go past, cannot go into. And this kind of, I think what makes Devilman exciting is, is this is what happens when someone has no fences. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. (laughs) And for that, it it is exciting and I'm glad to see it. It's not my favorite manga of all time, but just second favorite. 
<laughs> you know, it's just like, I, I was kind of said, like, you know, Tezuka is the god of manga. Mm-hmm. Shotaro Ishinomori is the king of manga. Gonagai is the perverted uncle of manga. <laughs> really not the devil of manga? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I leave that up to you. You did remind me of one thing I wanted to say before we split for this episode is that what was going on in America while Devil Man was coming out. And if you know, like, say, Damon Hellstrom from Marvel Comics and Satana, mm-hmm. the daughter of Satan, they debuted the year after Devil Man. Mm. And oh, I wow. feel like everything in Devil Man is 100% more edgy than anything that's been done with Satana since, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah. And wasn't this the same period when they had, like, all these kind of crazy horror movies, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, As yeah. They're like the came Sabbath a few years and stuff. Later, I'm getting, like, 72, 73. Yeah. Mm. Like the like the satanic ritual type Rosemary's Baby vibes. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it was a wild time, and for this to be for kids at that time, it's ex- it's exciting <laughs> as a former child. As yeah. an adult, I'm like, someone needs to do something about this. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what manga does beautifully, right? Yeah. I mean, like manga, like we, I've told this to many people, but comics for kids in America is too damn polite. Mm. Yeah. Too damn cute, too damn acceptable. Whereas manga, with Ranma getting splashed and gross boobs, you know, all these kinds, and the you know, Sailor Sailor Moon is wearing a super short skirt and she is being silly. She's running with toast in her mouth and like just it's kind of running crazy. with and- toast in her mouth. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> we need to stop this Sailor Moon nonsense immediately. <laughs> I mean, you know, and then like I can imagine like Raider. There's a kind of a, a downer ending. Yeah. yeah. So there's all kinds of things about manga that is unexpected and a little dangerous and a little bit subversive mm. that makes it so much more entertaining for a teenager to read. Yeah, for sure. This I'm, I'm sure like reading Devilman at the time probably had like that same kind of you know thrill of I'm reading something I'm not supposed to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, love it. All right, we're gonna take. Sorry, you know what? Before yeah. you say uh, the, the the final uh, thoughts, there are two more things that I wanted to point out <laughs> in this book. Hit me. I, I don't think we've given any acknowledgement to the short story with the little kid and the mom mm. who was the demon. Yeah. Oh, and the dad. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. That Ooh, was that was that was dark. That was dark, but it was really good. It was like a really kind of a classic horror thing. And I think also based on the drawing style and now knowing how out of order this is, it probably came later on. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. But I, I, I thought. Nope. No. I, I, th- I thought it was like actually kind of a, a delightful kind of short horror thing with, you know, the punchline of the dad is the demon dog. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. I really like that. Also, I really need to point out, so it ends up in the show notes, my other favorite page, which is page 174. Please, class, flip to it right now. Well, let's <laughs> see. Christopher, did you not bring your book to class? <laughs> I got it. I got it. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, man. <laughs> it's uh, for, for the listeners it's our two main heroes before entering the the precipice of hell just clasping hands in that classic uh schwarzenegger carl, uh, weathers. carl weathers style staring at each other and then manly tears dripping down their face <laughs> and it's it's so, so good it's so good oh, oh that whole scene is just so good yeah, I will say the manly tears is one thing. Like, I hate comparing like manga and cape comics directly, but superheroes yeah. need a lot more manly tears. They do, they do. I take that <laughs> as a challenge, and I accept that challenge. I mean, you're already writing Daredevil. It can't get much sadder. Yeah. It is true. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. We're going to take a break for some station identification, and then we'll be back with some Q&A. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details Welcome back. Hopefully that was an ad that made us a lot of money because manga is not cheap with, you know, these unprecedented <laughs> times and supply chain and everything. And this was a hardcover too. Yeah, this hardcover, 600 pages. I don't know what I was thinking. Isn't that digital edition <laughs> even? Poor Chip had to go to yeah, a Yeah, I probably. know. I did. The wrist hurts now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Chris, you've got some Q&A for us, right? I do. And thank you to everyone who keeps writing in with questions and answers. We're going to do some some Q&A-centric episodes a little later. Today's question comes from Karina Taylor via email. And their, well, their, their statement followed by a question is as follows. I've just about <laughs> caught up through all the episodes of the podcast. This came in a little while ago. And now I'm really looking wow. forward to hearing you talk about your first alt manga slash small press comics in An Invitation from a Crab by Panpanya, which we covered earlier, earlier this season. Do you think you'll be able to make space in the podcast for more art manga or less highly commercial works, especially with the recent crop of English language small press manga publishers that have popped up in the last year, like Starfruit Books and Glacier Bay Books, which just won an Ignatz for its stellar Glaleolia manga, Gla- Glaleolia? Yeah, manga anthology. North American readers suddenly have a chance to read works from authors they would probably never be able to without going to Comitia. I personally would love to hear you talk about these type of works. And by an alternate coin, do you think that you'll ever cover manhwa or webtoon style comics? How far does the term manga stretch for this podcast? That's a big question. But I've got answers, but I feel like I've talked a lot <laughs> this episode. So, Deb, you're our resident webtoon slash manhwa expert, <laughs> at least out of the four of us. Which ain't saying much. <laughs> Deb, what do you think? Well, I will say that I just I started reading more manhwa, you know, webtoons over the last maybe two months. I've been, I mean, I've read it off and on, but it's largely because there was an app called Manta, mm-hmm. which offers in all you can eat manhwa, like webtoons that you can read rather than the way that it with Line or Tappy Tune or Tapas, where you, you get three free and then you read, you have to pay 300 coins or whatever the denomination that it is to read the next chapter. So th- these microtransactions add up for basically melodrama. <laughs> but I'm here for it because I, I, I need the escapism of I was a hardworking woman, office worker who got transported to my favorite novel, and I am now the villainess, but I decided to rewrite the novel so that I actually get the cute guy in the end. Mm. It's trash, and I hate myself for it. Wait, is that but, my life is a villain? I mean, <laughs> oh my god, there's so many variations. Yeah, of this there's shit. one that's really good that I like called "My Life Is a Villainous." It has a subtitle that I should probably remember. But yeah, I'm sorry, go for it. Like, like all, all points, po- all points point to uh, chaos. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, all this stuff. So I'm 
I, I find a lot to admire about it because I think the storytelling is interesting, mm. and I, I'm I'm fascinated by how it hooks you in and keeps you clicking that spend more money to read another chapter. Mm. This is I, I appreciate it from a UX point of view. I appreciate it from a storytelling point of view. Am I an expert on manhwa to be able to talk about the history and the context? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say that anyone who would like to go deeper into this, I say green fields are out there for you. Please start a podcast. I will be a devoted listener. If you name it Manwa's planning, we get 50%. Yeah, I think that's... At least. At least there you go. Because uh, yeah. that, that shit ain't cheap. <laughs> and if you actually have a podcast already, write us, let us know. I'll, ta- I'll check out a couple episodes. We'll make it some of our shout outs one week or something like that. Because I think this week we don't even have anything to shout out. So yeah, let's recommend yeah. some stuff. David, you actually yeah. picked a book from one of the aforementioned small press manga publishers in the coming yeah. weeks, right? Yeah. So I... This will probably going to drive Chris nuts a little bit, but like, I barely even believe in genre. Mm. So pretty much anything goes for me on the podcast, as long as it's more or less from Japan in some way that I can like track. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like I read a lot of mostly there's probably a word for commercial manga. That's not likely to sell like mid list or lower type stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like where my tastes tend to land. Which I don't bring on the podcast very often because I know it's, you know, like a C plus for everyone else, maybe like an A minus for me. But I love like alt comics and like indie works, weird art stuff. And I'd love to talk about it on the show. But the trouble is that it's often not quite as long as like more commercial stuff. Mm. Like the one we're doing, the one I chose is 16 pages, which will be an interesting conversation. And also interesting to see how long our conversation lasts. Mm. So I'm up for it, but I kind of. I'm a big believer in, in only picking battles you know you can win. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like Deb, like if I don't have the, if I can't talk like freely about like the history and the culture and the context around it, I might not bring it on the show, but I would recommend it like as a reader or as like a shout out or something like that. I just want to point out like you know, reluctance to pick a thing that's really short. You just assigned us a 670 page <laughs> hardcover. I think if you average out Gundam, the origin devil man <laughs> and the blood red boy, it's still too long. Yeah. It's still 400 yeah. pages. Is that like a, it's like a carbon offset or isn't there? Yeah. Like that? It's like an yeah, indul- yeah. indulgence at this point. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> David overcorrecting brothers. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just love comic books. I'll read about, I'll read anything. But I think for the podcast, I do want to keep it just to, if you say manga, does it feel like manga, then it's probably going to be on the show. Mm. But like for manhwa or Chinese manhwa, you know, maybe not. Between the Beguiling and TCAF, I spent 20, let's say two years specifically boosting alternative comics and art comics, working very hard just to do that. And so he's done with it now. It's it's more like, (laughs) this is the first thing that, is critical in a public way i've done in a long time and it's still like just four buds getting together talking about comics what we liked and what we didn't like and luckily there's enough of a a distance like a remove for me anyway uh, because it's manga that i don't feel bad about it. oh crap uh yeah right (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure we'll ruin that at some point by publishing some manga but yeah i think i think i stopped criticizing manga or criticizing books especially from smaller publishers not because they weren't worthy i think that that's still a worthy pursuit but I think when I look at small press publishers, they just need all the help they can get. Like the, the odds are stacked against yeah. you. You know what I mean? In every, in every category you could think of other than occasionally 
artistic quality. <laughs> like the odds are stacked against you making any kind of success with any kind of small press book. So if we were going to honestly talk about any book that came onto the podcast, that we'd run that risk of turning people off that had never heard of a book before. And that feels bad to me. Mm. I think manga being works that were already successful enough in their home country to get licensed means that anything that I say about a North American edition doesn't really matter one whit to the original creator. They've already had a successful book. And whatever I say is like water off a duck's back for the most part. I, I mean, you know, we do criticize translation sometimes or lettering or <laughs> production or whatever. And those are people or that are working light novels. North. Yeah. These are, these are people <laughs> like David right here who are working on it in North America. But I think it's a different, I think it's a different thing personally. And, you know, this doesn't have to be about what I think, but I can say pretty specifically that I was a little anxious when David mentioned that he wanted to read a small press book because it's like, oh man, am I going to have to lie? Or, oh man, am I going to have to tell the truth? And is that somehow worse? Or like, like whatever the deal is there. And we even sort of voted on it when we were doing that first round of Viz. Viz came on as a sponsor, which was really kind of them. And they wanted us to cover a North American manga, which is to say an original manga, Viz original. We kind of just decided not to do it. And it's just like, it's again, the odds are stacked against you in trying to make manga <laughs> in North America, trying to make original work. No matter how good you are, the odds are stacked against you. Even with Viz's backing, there's still a, a loud group of folks out there screaming that it's not real manga and trying to not only not buying it, but trying to get other people to not buy it. That sucks. It feels shitty. I don't want to contribute to that. And I think we all kind of felt the same way along different, you know, different lines. So it's not to say that we won't cover small press books. Like I'm the one who picked Pon Panya. And if like when the next one, the vacation comes out, I really would love to read that. I don't know if it'll be a good manga explaining read or not, but I would love to read it. It's just like, yeah, I think I personally want to cover books like that in shout outs. I want to be able to say, hey, I read this thing and it was really great. Not And not <laughs> shout out the books that I read that weren't really great. You know what I mean? Hey, I read this independent book and it sucked. Please avoid. Like that's not that's not cool. But I want to be able to like <laughs> talk positively at stuff that needs the most help. And for stuff that doesn't need as much help, it's kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter as much, I guess is what it comes down to. It doesn't matter as much to me. I'm still happy about books. I still want to, to to boost them, you know what I mean? I am curious though, Chip, what does manga mean to you now when in terms of this podcast? Like how far do you want to stretch it? How far do you want to cover? I'm really curious. What does manga mean to me? You've read 45 books now. It's got to mean something. I like it. <laughs> I'm a fan. Nice. <laughs> we won. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think the more we can expand into different types of manga, the happier I'll be. Because every once in a while, we'll... we'll, we'll like it kind of happened with Golden Kamui and Vinland Saga, where it was like, okay, this is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. I would love some more smut. <laughs> yeah, Can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested in all of it. Like I think uh, the earlier episodes, well, I'm thinking Paradise Kiss, uh, stuff like that, especially like where it really felt stylistically different. Mm. I, I quite I quite appreciate those kind of deviations from some of the other kind of more kind of mainstream styles that we've had mm-hmm. on the show. But also it's hard for me to even like picture these as being indie or not. Cause I have no idea. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this, this could have sold like a hundred million copies. Yeah. If an invitation from a crab, maybe 90 million copies, but you know what I mean? <laughs> You're like this art is clean. So it's probably mainstream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I kind of have the, 
opposite problem from Chris, where like you don't want to talk about things, you don't want to actually bring accidentally bring something down that needs to like up. But like I love talking yeah. about books that I don't like, but in such detail that people think that I like them mm. because mm. like I hate not knowing things. And if there's like a little kernel of something, I can figure it out. Like I'll stick with it and end up spending like 60 bucks on a series. I'm not even that into just to see where it goes. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So like, like Daredevil Man volume two. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Chip's joke was <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This was a good episode. I think. Yeah. 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 I think we could have honestly talked about Devil man for another hour. Cause there's just so much crazy shit in it i think because there's no subtext like it gives there's just so much texture to grab onto. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> like i was just gonna go through and be like and this drawing of devil man kicks ass and this drawing of devil man kicks ass and there's a rocket punch pages but like oh yeah, yeah like oh so good so i discovered something when we were t- i was talking with david about this earlier but yeah gona guy did a, like an autobio manga about what it was like to draw these manga at the time Whoa. It's Whoa. called Gekimon. So there's a Gekimon just about the time when he drew Devilman. Yeah. There's a Geki, like several volumes of Gekimon when he drew Mazinga Z. And so he draws himself as he went, as a younger man and what he was going through when he was creating these works. So Maybe a breakup? <laughs> <laughs> he was mid to late 20s. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was just happily married at this time. <laughs> I mean, I met, you know, I met Gona Guy at on the expo in 2018 he is the sweetest nicest man who kind of like you if you look at him think there's something evil in the back of that smile but i'm gonna just let that roll and mrs nagai very pretty very elegant (laughs) i have no idea what she thinks strangely she has wings on the side of her head (laughs) yeah But with that, we're going to call it a week, and we will see you next week for more manga-splaining. This has been Manga-splaining, episode 45. Thanks for listening. For our next episode... We'll be reading Nausicaa, Volume 1, by Hayao Miyazaki. Please consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com, or check out your local library for print, or maybe digital lending options. I'm pretty sure this one's print only as well. We'll see. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.